Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strong Docs Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Myers, and tonight I'm joined with Dave Reef, a longtime good friend of mine who is a chiropractor uh, in Portland, Oregon, or just outside of there. Um, and he's been an avid, avid uh, weightlifter, so actually the sport of weightlifting um, for many, many years. He's been training for, oh, what is it, probably going on, like 15 years now, um, and competed nationally, internationally, uh, which is pretty high level. Uh, but Dave, tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. Thanks for having me on, Seth. Uh, yeah, so I've been lifting since 2002 competitively. And with that, yeah, internationally, the one showing I had was as a junior world athlete in Romania with a bunch of the, actually the top level guys who are still up there now. And pretty much what got me into chiropractic was starting out in weightlifting, just interested in the human body and how to improve and enhance my own training. And now I've become a little bit more focused on enhancing other people's training. Nice. <clears throat> so I, this is, I guess, personal question for me. I don't know if anyone else really cares, but you got any meets coming up? Uh, yeah. So I've started with working with uh, head coach Damian Melnikov at Vulcan Weightlifting. So because of a idiom, I kind of have, you know, the whole aspect of you don't follow your own advice. I'm starting to follow my own advice of getting at my own coach who can see me more regularly as opposed to my coach up in Washington. So my next meet will be in November. Yep. That'll be the, that'll be the comeback after the kind of year hiatus I've taken off. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, I guess another side question, do you know what weight class you're going to do? Oh, I'm going to do the uh, 89 because oh, I've, <laughs> Me too. All right, so he does. So I might go ninety six, but I'll probably be eighty nine. But just the aspect of it's a comfortable weight. I'm trying to settling into because I am doing a little more wind and stuff with my partner Ashley, and so it's harder to keep weight on when you're doing a CrossFit or wind in general. Yeah. So uh, again, just to kind of uh, take a step back for the listeners. So David mm -hmm. competes in the sp sport of weightlifting. So the snatch and the clean and jerk. So what you see in the Olympics. Um, mm -hmm. But just recently, the International Federation has changed the weight classes. So for years and years and years, probably the whole time Dave's been competing in Correct. The weightlifting, the weight classes have been the same. And so that's why I asked him where, what he's going to compete at. And I just got frustrated because that's probably the weight class I'm going to try and compete at. And Dave's going to crush me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so. That's hard, that's hard to believe from an athlete of your caliber, Seth. So, well, and now you, now you know way more than I do. So, anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, the reason why I brought Dave on the podcast is because he has, he, when you're talking about consistency and you're talking about years in um, the gym, this is a guy who has been there walk walk and definitely can talk the talk now. So uh, for people who are beginners, people who are novice, uh, or maybe they want to get specifically into the sport of weightlifting, maybe walk us through how you got started, what that process looked like, and maybe some of the challenges you had when you were in your beginning stages of training specifically for weightlifting. Okay, so I got rolling because at the age of like 12 and 13, I was a little bit overweight, and I think I'm probably under-exaggerating with that, and 
I decided like I wanted to get fit. My brother who was lifting with uh, John Thrush at Auburn high school. So one of the best coaches in the United States, he so happened to who coach part time at the high school that my brother and I both attended. I started in 2002. I was still in middle school and I would just ride from Cascade middle school, get off the bus, go and work out with John Thrush and my brother. And that's how essentially I walked into it. And it wasn't running because at the time I had exercise induced asthma. So that was great. I just had to lift weights. And from that point on, it was, I got to go to the high school, be the, the middle schooler, hang out with the high school kids and my brother's friends, which is, you know, everybody likes to hang out with their older, older siblings and stuff like that. So that was great. And that kind of kept me in the sport until I got to the point of, I was becoming more and more competitive locally because I had been in the sport for four years, about four or sorry, four years when I'm halfway through high school. And I was super competent at the lifts compared to my peers. And that kind of bolstered me up. And I kept going with it and maintained that all the way up to 2009 when I made the junior world team. And that's when I kind of got a little bit more focused following that is because, Oh, if I work, a little bit harder, I can see how much further this can take me. And it was, you know, compounding kind of interest. It was always kind of fashioning life around lifting, which can't be really the healthiest thing as you move through life, but it worked for me at the time. Yeah. A lot younger. And, uh, there's definitely a difference between like lifting for fitness and lifting for wellness versus lifting for like straight up high level competition. Correct. So, but what I what you kind of mentioned just casually that I want to make sure people like heard was the fact that you had uh, at least four years under your belt before you were you I guess would consider yourself really competitive, even yes. just locally. So yep. you know, a lot of it people want to start some sort of fitness routine or just get a little bit healthier, things of that nature. Uh, when mm-hmm. in reality, like starting is great, but the consistency is what is key. And so like one or two months into it, you're not seeing huge gains. You're not seeing the scale drop in terms of weight, things of that nature. But that is stuff that like, it's not months that are going to do those things. It's years that are going to do those things for you. So um, as you continued into the sport, what were some of the challenges that you faced or saw with with life, whatever? Uh, the biggest number one challenge probably was, uh, post high school. So, uh, my grandfather, father and brother, all naval officers. So world war two, cold war, and then, uh, fall. And then after 2006 was when my brother was commissioned. So I had this kind of vision that I was going to be a naval officer as well. I'd always enjoyed, uh, military service stories, movies, what have you. So I was like, okay, that seems like a good way to do it. And my entire family essentially has been involved in it. And it's a great way to pay for college. It's a great way to kind of move forward, build a character traits that work for you moving forward in life. So I got into the Naval ROTC unit at the University of Washington, uh, which is the same unit my father was a part of. I did that for a full year. And the, that year was a big learning process for me because the way I was training under John Thrush was not really copacetic with the cardiovascular load that accompanied RTC training, which was 
running three times a week, possibly swimming one to two times a week uh, on top of any kind of additional just morning routine that you had at the ROTC unit. So recovery was a little bit flawed. I also was lucky enough that there was a person in Seattle that would make the trek down to train with my coach four to five times a week that I could literally just buddy ride with. So I was literally commuting down to Sumner, Washington, about a 90 minute drive four to five times a week, depending on traffic and maintaining training. But the aspect of the cardiovascular load with the weightlifting had I know what I know now, I would have found a better way to balance that out. And that was a big struggle. And probably one of the factors that pushed me into dropping the actual scholarship and pursuing additional schooling, obviously through the University of Washington and focusing a little bit more on the lifting because the year I took off was the year that I was able to go to Junior Worlds. Yeah. So something you mentioned there that, again, I just want to make sure people are clear about. So two goals, or I guess you would consider them that, <clears throat> kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So ROTC style training and then like heavy lifting style training. So yes. I think people should understand like you can definitely do both at the same time and yep. get really, really good at both at the same time. But if you really, really want to optimize one over the other, uh, something's probably going to have to give, right? So if you've got people that are consistently trying to uh, – let's just take this for example, consistently trying to lose weight and yep. a caloric deficit, things of that nature, but you mm -hmm. want to try and be as strong as you physically can. If you're a beginner, you can probably do that. You can probably do that really, really well. But if you're right. someone who's trained for a while and you're trying to cut weight, the reality of the situation is if you're in a caloric deficit, you're probably not getting the macronutrients that you need to really put on optimal strength. Now you can Correct. like, a caveat to this is like you can put on some really really good strength but if you wanted to say how could you seriously optimize it you're gonna have to put one thing on the back burner not to say you can't do it at all but one thing on the back burner to really really get amazing things so keep that in mind people um, if you want one thing to be the one thing that you're doing at the time that's really got to be something you're putting on the forefront while some other th things you can still do them but you might take the volume down so that you don't get detrained in that aspect. Um, but it's going to be, again, something that's back burner, not as important. Um, the sucky thing is like, I'm trying to gain weight right now. I'm trying to get up to, I don't know, around 210 and then cut down from there. But as mm -hmm. I like try and gain weight, I feel just kind of like a slob for eating a lot of food. And like, yeah. you start getting a little like more pudgy. And so when I see that in the mirror for me, I'm just like, Oh no. But again, right. like I just kind of have to put that on the back burner in the sense of like, you know, aesthetics. And even though that's tough, uh, ultimately once I get up there, I can cut back down and my strength number should go up if I get heavier things of that nature, but it's just tough. It's a mental balance. You got to play back and forth for what your goals, especially goals within, I don't know, six month or so time frame. Really, really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause there's always, um, Obviously, Seth, you and I are familiar with it, but segmenting programming, you're going to have a hypertrophy phase, lots of volume, lots of reps, lots of different activity. Then you have essentially that strength building, power, strength building phase of you know, moderate reps, increasing intensities with obviously your down weeks, your recovery weeks, and then followed by competition phase, which is sheer power, like 
We're going to move the bar well. We're going to do it at a higher intensity. We're going to give you a lot of rest, rest and recovery time. And in that aspect, you could like take a workout, for example. Like you could literally like do hypertrophy. You could do strength. You could do power in that. However, the weights would have to be modified. And then from that point, you could then extrapolate that into a week and then into a month and then into a full cycle and then into the year plan because the aspect is you cannot do hypertrophy and be your most powerful. And you can't definitely do power and do your maximum, your best ever hypertrophy. And again, if we drop the whole CrossFit aspect, those athletes who are now professionals, they take time off from the games when they're in the competition phase, which is, you know, completely random to take a strength cycle, to build them up as much as they can to then essentially annihilate themselves in the two, maybe three months before uh, or leading into the open to then get that cardiovascular win back. You mean while, and, they're, while they're taking SARMs? Well, that depends on who you talk to. I'm, jo- I'm joking. So if there's any serious CrossFitters listening here, that was a total joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, that you have to segment your training. And I, that's a good, good point, Seth, is that mental aspect of, hey, I'm in the bulk phase. I'm in the gain phase to essentially get up as high as possible. And you being an elite level uh, football player as well is a good, I, I love to use football as an example because like I was not the elite football player. I played third string as a senior because I wanted to play a team sport. Okay. And the guys that were my peers who played for four years and worked their ass off to get to first string and be starters both ways, those guys going through season were destroyed. They were not showing up to the gym at six in the morning during the end season or even in the playoffs. They were wrecked and they might show up to kind of do some movement. But by the time you're doing in the playoffs is essentially who has built up themselves prior to the season to then make it the rest of the way. It's very similar to many other sports of who can outlast the other guy or girl. Yeah. So let's get specific into, I guess, what you do. So for any listeners who are really, really interested in the sport of weightlifting, or maybe you just want to add it into your training from here or like from time to time, um, let's talk a little bit about that. So one, what is the sport of weightlifting? Um, And two, how can someone uh, find a way to get started? So the sport of weightlifting uh, was started, I think it was early. I actually don't know all the history of it. I just know that. Okay, we don't have to go back that far. Okay, gotcha. So, (laughs) yeah, modern ways, you got the snatch, you clean jerk. Snatch, one fluid motion from the floor to overhead. Clean jerk, two fluid motions from the shoulders, standing up, and then from that point, the jerk over your head. You have three attempts at each. Your best attempts on both of them become your total, and whatever that essentially places you wherever you are in that kind of allotment. More and more local meets are now doing Sinclair stuff because instead of doing several different weight classes, they do a Sinclair, which is a coefficient number that they take, they get from your body weight times by your total, and that's your score. And then you might do top three men, top three women. So now it's become much, much more of a bigger sport. And as I'll continue to say, is CrossFit has done more for weightlifting than weightlifting has done for itself in exposure, 
and getting people involved in it, getting people excited about it. Cause now there's several higher level crossfitters who are kind of moving into just the weightlifting ranks. Yeah. And so what does, so that's the sport of weightlifting and people are interested. I, I highly recommend um, checking it out. It's mm -hmm. a unique sport in the sense that it's an individual sport. Um, and the actual competition phase or being on the platform is actually a really short window of time. So you got six lifts total that yep. might reflect at the least probably a 12 week training phase. Like you might train for 12 weeks up to a meet. Some Correct. people even longer, depending on if it's a big national or international meet, like you're talking years that they're training for that. Yep. Um, six lists total. So it's definitely a, a weird, unique uh, sport in the sense that the competition probably doesn't reflect the amount of time uh, spent getting to that part. Um, but uh, with that being said, what does like maybe a day or a couple days or generally a day look like for training for the sport of weightlifting? Okay. Um, I know you asked me, um, about the getting, getting started as a novice recommendation is go to the USAW, USAW website and look up a place in your area. I know Portland, Oregon has several Vulcan weightlifting, uh, Bridgetown barbell and Magnus barbell and, and, uh, industrial strength. There's a bunch of barbell clubs. So it's not like you're gonna have to drive a big distance. And if you're in a big metropolitan area, most likely there'll be one, if not several. Um, and then when it comes to your comment on the 12 le weeks leading to those six lifts, most videos of highlighting someone in a, in a competition will be between 90 seconds to two minutes. So now jumping to your other question, uh, what a typical actual like program or day will look like it'll go into a pre-prescribed or a designated warm up by your coach. And then maybe a few things in there. If you have any kind of deficiencies or mobility issues, you might focus on yourself. Then probably working into looking at the whole program. You're probably having three different movements, maybe a power one with the actual competition lifts, uh, broken up into segments, whether you're doing reps of five, three, two, or even one, if you're in that power phase for competition, then you're looking at some sort of strength or some sort of, uh, pulling or squatting motion, most likely. And then follow it up with some sort of accessory kind of movements. And that could be probably your higher volume stuff, even into your power phase, if you're dealing with kind of imbalances, but that's going to be, the weight's going to be nominal, maybe dumbbell, kettlebell type stuff. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Really your heaviest movement of weight will be in your first two movements of the day. Nice. So looking at anywhere from probably obviously singles up to five movements of a snatch or a clean and jerk or a combination yep. of all those different things. Yep. Um, maybe some accessories of those. So some partials, some snatch high pulls, things of that nature. Yep. Pull Squ squats, squats, tons and tons and tons of squats. So if you're somebody who enjoys squatting, the sport of weightlifting might be something that you would enjoy. Um, and then just hitting accessories to hit some weaknesses. That's kind of what a day in the life of a weightlifter might look like. Um, yep. Day in and day out. Um, so <clears throat> how's your training been recently? Uh, it's been good. So I came off of a 
week hiatus just to kind of get the body kind of reset. And then I got, came into a week of doing my own thing, which was just essentially I was mirroring the program that Vulcan was doing with tens, high volume type stuff just to get the body used to it, be sore that week as opposed to the first week on program. And then this first week has gone fine. Uh, tomorrow is the free Friday with Vulcan weightlifting in Portland, Oregon. And we'll be doing primarily both lifts. So snatch and clean and jerk and with most likely segmented complexes uh, with some squats, more and more squats. And then one thing I've really enjoyed with Vulcan's program that I've been able to kind of push more and more with, you know, my experience through school has been um, one day that's kind of away from the barbell, which is much like you, Seth, myself, and Nick Cowan up in uh, BC where do our uh, like Viking Saturdays or Viking strength days yeah, of just, stuff, yeah. yeah, just like odd object stuff or just stuff outside of our privy. So in that way, um, our purview. So in that way we get a, one, a little respite on the neurological strain, but also just have fun, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's a huge point. Um, and we might circle back to that at the end of the show, but, um, Having fun in training, I think is key, especially if you're, so there's, there's a, there's a spectrum in the sense of like what training might look like. So if you're somebody who just wants to be healthy, wants to be relatively fit, maybe look good aesthetically, things of that nature, mm-hmm. your training might be just a handful of days a week. It might include some cardio, some resistance training, some hit style stuff, things of that nature. Um, but nothing might ever really, really push you to the edge or at least not day in and day out. But now when you get to the other end of the spectrum where you're talking about competing, when you're talking about getting on the stage, things of that nature, like there's days, if not weeks in a row, where you like don't really enjoy going to the gym every single day. Yeah. So if there's things that you can do day in and day out to kind of keep it to where you're pretty close to being on your program, but just having fun with it so that you don't get burnt out. Because by the time, if you're running a 12-week program, to step on stage after at the end of that 12 weeks granted you probably have maybe some um deload weeks and you probably have a taper week but still by the time that like 12 weeks can feel really long when you get close to the end of that and you just might be like i hate weightlifting this is stupid (laughs) um but that's not just for that like marathon training that five doing your first 5k things of that nature you know every Mm -hmm. once in a while um as long as you're doing some sort of motion some sort of movement putting your body on, on, under some sort of load or stress. If you can have fun with it um, and stick relatively close to what your training might be, so just getting under something heavy or moving, running, jogging, skipping, playing, things of that nature, like if you can have fun while you're doing it, man, now you're going to be able to do that for a very long time, very, very consistently. So yeah. I, I really like that point. So something that I'm kind of passionate about, and I think you are as well, we talk about sport of weightlifting. But the next point, um, it goes beyond that. So competition. So again, talking about that spectrum of fitness, wellness, things of that nature, you don't have to compete in the things that you want to do. If you just want to stay fit and healthy, I'm all for it. I love it. But if you're somebody who wants to do something to kind of push yourself, if you do a sport that has regular competitions, even something as simple as running, such as a 5K, such as a, a 10K a try, whatever, if that is what you enjoy, uh, powerlifting, CrossFit, strongman, weightlifting, you name it. 
if you have any inkling to maybe at some point in your life be somewhat competitive in it at any stage, I think you should do at least one competition. Not necessarily to be first or to be the person with the gold medal, but the setting and environment that you get in competition for any of those things I just listed, I think is like unmatched in your actual training. And for a few reasons. One, obviously the setting is much more formal and you can kind of realize a lot of the games that you have been striving for. You know, at the end of a 12-week training period for the sport of weightlifting, let's just say, it's really, really cool to hit a PR on the weightlifting platform. Like, that's really awesome. And yep. so <clears throat> maybe it's your first 5K or maybe you've done a couple 5Ks and now you're doing them and you just want to try and beat your time. So to actually have a day where you test it in an environment where everyone else is running pretty hard, like that's pretty, pretty fun. And it's pretty cool to challenge yourself. And it's pretty cool to set a PR in certain things that you're doing. Anyway, long-winded story there. So what is your thoughts on competition or maybe how frequently should someone, if they're interested, look at competing? So you mentioned a 12-week program. Uh, when I was under John Thrush, he would essentially get anyone he started working with, like, all right, we're going to set up for a competition. He was nice enough that when you were first starting out, you didn't have to get the whole kit all set up. You most likely had shoes that were hand-me-downs. Uh, my first pair was a pair of Reeboks, which was surprising. Um, and then by probably your third one, if you're still kicking it in the gym with everybody, you're in, in the full kit. So you're in the singlet, what have you. Um, by that point you're, you know, you've, you're all in and you're showing up. And when you don't show up to work out, people are like texting or calling you or, you know, using the rotary phone back in the day when you before cell phones were big. Um, and I would recommend competing at some point, just it's a new experience and it can show you like, yes, that was fun. And as a friend of mine and one of my inspirations to become a chiropractor, Don Bell says like, Weightlifting competitions were just boring because he was a big time uh, bodybuilder and he was a big time powerlifter for a long time. He lifted for the Air Force back in the day. And he would just say, like, you know, you just kind of show up and you just sit around, hurry up and wait, then you lift. And he really didn't do a whole lot that, that, that day. I mean, you warmed up, yes, and you probably hit some PRs and you hit some heavier weights. But when it comes to like the training load you did, you didn't really move a whole lot. So you essentially, you're hyped up, you have your good performance, you have a performance, and then it kind of comes down, you're still riding that high. So one, it's fun. And then two, just as you said already, we'll hit it again, is it pushes you a little bit. It shows you that, all right, do I really want to do this again? Or like, mm -hmm. does this light a fire on my ass to do this again and get under the bar for the next 12 weeks? Essentially, knowing in two weeks after I take some time off, and I'm you know, two weeks from now, I'm under the bar for a set of tens or a set of 12 or whatever that is like, Oh, that's going to be worth it because of the 30 seconds or rather 90 seconds I had on the platform. Yeah. <clears throat> and then on top of that, I don't know if I mentioned this, but just typically in the sport that you're doing, the camaraderie that you get in competition, it seems maybe a little counterintuitive, but it, it gets pretty big. So like if you're somebody yes. who's new to a sport, and it's maybe your first or second time doing that thing, um, mm -hmm. you'd probably be really surprised at how supportive some people can be when you are competing against them. You know, like, 
the meets that we did up in the Seattle area, like those were meets where it seemed like everyone wanted everyone else to lift pretty heavy. It wasn't yes. anybody who like, like drop the weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, and same thing with uh, running a 5K. Like, I would bet you money that as you're running along, there are other people encouraging people to to keep moving, uh, continue with their pace, things of that nature. And in training, you don't necessarily always get that ability to have that camaraderie. And, right. uh, and then that, and then that's what kind of fuels you, I think, also to kind of want to do it more and more and more. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that, that from my experience in the sport for as long as I have been local competitions are essentially just like that. Unless, you know, there'll be some time, some kind of like my, yeah, my there's, there's one asshole. There's one asshole. But the local competitions are always great. Cause one, you see who's stepping out, who's made the national competitions. They're there to hit some totals to go again. So most likely they're also bolstering up and helping the people who are getting rolling where I see this kind of bogus ego crap is at national competitions more now than I saw previously, like growing up as a junior, like there was an aspect of, you know, just different teams. You would get to know them. Your coach would know everybody because they all developed the sport together. That's what happened. They were all lifting in the sixties and seventies and they helped build weightlifting what it is now. Now there's all this, like so much now that, some everybody has this persona they're trying to build up and there does seem to be kind of an ego about it. My, my, my solution to that is just like treat like a local meet, like say hello, like talk to people, see where they're from, meet them and you're going to have a great time. Mm -hmm. I'm the asshole in the warm up that's yelling and being obnoxious because that's part of my persona. And also that's part of me having fun as well, because well, one, the Chinese say that if you, grunt or growl or whatever you get rolling now as much as i tried to coach seth to do this he doesn't but he does have this little like cough thing he does yeah. when he's really motivated so, so, what he, so yeah so what he means by uh like uh yell and be obnoxious he means just like yelling before he lifts not like yelling at other people so just people are clear he's not like calling people like assholes or anything like yes curtains. he's just yelling yeah, yeah. so okay right. so Let's talk about, so top three pieces of advice for someone, and it can be weightlifting specific or just like maybe fitness slash goal specific. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh, top three pieces of advice for uh, someone who is novice slash beginner um, wanting to pursue health, wellness, fitness goals. Okay. Uh, number one um, would be, have an accountability buddy or a coach in that aspect because that's someone who most likely is going to care about your success as well. And they're also going to be there to be your objective eye. Because as I said at the beginning, like I'm using Damien as my objective eye. He's coaching because I can have all these great aspirations and then he's going to be the one to set the program to hit the realistic aspirations at this moment. And then the secondary aspect of that, he's going to write the program. So I don't have to think of the stuff. I don't have to formulate. I don't have to do that stuff. And essentially outsourcing that responsibility makes essentially showing up, putting your eyes, putting your essentially nose to the grindstone and just get the work done. Yeah. So yeah, get accountability buddy or a coach or a partner or something like that to kind of 
be that objective eye for you. Yeah. Um, I think especially in the beginning, as you get more advanced, there's kind of, I think it might be like a bell curve type deal. Yep. When you're in the beginning, you're in a group of people who it's probably best if you just had someone to tell you what to do. And then you just yep. do this, 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 and this. When you get towards the middle of the curve, um, you, and I'm, the way I'm describing it makes it sound like it's like a small amount of people, but there's actually a bunch of people in the novice. So it might not look like a bell, but the point is when you get towards the middle, you've got enough experience to where you can probably write up your own little workouts and you don't yep. necessarily need a coach to do it, but it's still really, really good to have like a training partner or someone there. And then when Correct. you get towards the end of the more, uh, more years in training, more competitive, more serious, then you probably would want to have a coach again to kind of write stuff up. So you don't have to think about it. You just do. Um, Correct. That's my, and that's kind of where I'm getting to. So like, like there's, I might actually compete in a weightlifting meet. We'll see in like close to where I'm going to live in about like eight or nine weeks from now. Cool. And so, well, so, um, I've done tons and tons and tons of like lifting programs, like written them. Um, but I kind of just want someone to tell me what to do to get ready in eight weeks. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and so that's something that I think is, is good. That's a really, really good first point. So that's number one. So number two, what would you say? Uh, number two would be a good one. I gave, I talked about with a friend of mine, Joe Bauer, who's now in drive around the United States in a van, not because he's destitute or like lost all his money, but he chose to drive around in a van. Wait, uh, is it like a home gym van thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. uh, it was a track track everything now everything as a novice is gonna be a lot but it would be starting out if you're just starting with your fitness aspect just track your workouts see what it is because even though you might not compete in that first three weeks you might be able to track like oh i'm increasing the weight dropping the weights or dropping the reps like that kind of tracking and then we can extrapolate onto tracking your sleep tracking your nutrition tracking all that kind of stuff and that stuff seems a lot right now but you'd be surprised how easy and it becomes more and more kind of just this thing you do as you get into a sport or a competition because then it's like oh because i track the macronutrients i take in or the hours i sleep i know there's an improvement cool i can improve i can change this habit uh, again i wouldn't start with tracking absolutely everything but progressing to that point of that bell curve is after you're in it definitely looking at tracking more things yeah, I like that. So um, I need to do a better job of this in my workouts because like in my head, I think, oh, I'm going to remember what weight I use. So then next week I can add five, 10 pounds or maybe do an extra set or extra couple reps. Yeah. When in reality, like I get to that day where I'm doing similar workout and it's like, oh, what weight did I use again? Yeah. So you really want to make sure your progression in terms of like volume and load is just getting better and better and better. The best way to do it is to actually know what the heck it was last week or last month or last year. Yes. The other thing too that you mentioned is food. Um, and we don't necessarily have to get into that right now. Maybe that would be another podcast because I know you used to track your food a, a bunch. Um, yeah. Probably still do. But um, that's something. So for Strongbacks, we have people – We basically, our style is kind of like if it fits your macros, but – like I guess a clean version of that. So we yeah. really just try and get people for the first week. If you can eat clean, perfect, but just grab an app 
like my fitness pal is really good and Perfect. literally anytime you're eating just put whatever you're eating in the fitness in my fitness pal and so at the end of the week you can kind of have a picture of what you ate you can see maybe what foods you ate a lot of what foods you didn't eat a lot of and switch things up after a week so you just get some data so yep. i i really really like that idea um and then the other cool thing too is like with that with tracking your food depending on how you eat i eat relatively consistently if you've done uh, a really good, let's say diet, and you know what your macros are, and you've tracked it for a couple of weeks to a months, probably is better. Uh, maybe not months, but you've tracked it for a while. Pretty soon, you probably don't even need my fitness pal to know if you're like really close to your actual numbers. So even though I recommend still entering in the numbers on the app, you don't have to do that to know like, man, I was probably heavy on my carbs today because, because I ate normally, but I had extra chips while I was eating dinner, which I don't normally do. So right. just small stuff like that, that, you know, it's like, or you can trade it out. So like, because you're, you cut back your rice or your protein or sorry, your other carbs for lunch, maybe you can have a couple extra chips for dinner, whatever. Um, so number two, track your stuff progressively. So don't go crazy day one but start writing down the weights that you use, start making sure you're tracking some of the food and then you can tweak it from there. Um, yep. So number three, what do you got for us? Uh, number three, honestly, I would put as like, we already talked about com competition. That was me, the one thing, but I would just return to your, your talk about just having fun because we can all get too serious about this stuff. I know I've, gone through some pretty big, uh, downtimes mentally and with just, you know, okay, I'm a lifter. That's what I do. That's the thing I identify as that's well, whatever you want to say, but it's just like, have fun with it because at the end of the day, it's like somebody else can lift heavier. You might be able to beat that person at some point, but there's always people coming back up and such like that. So have fun with what you're doing, especially because that's more likely you're going to keep doing it. And it's the consistency and frequency and then the volume over time. And it's really going to make the big change. Like you said, it's going to take a year to notice like a massive change with your diet and exercise and fitness plan. But it could take six weeks before you're like, you start to feel different. Mm -hmm. So my thing would be, Hey, have, have fun with whatever you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I mean, fun, obviously, in training is one thing, but even in, like, right. your diet and your food, you know, that shit can get really monotonous real quick. Yes. So from time to time, mixing it up in terms of maybe what you're eating, but maybe, like, switching up your macros so that you can have a beer for dinner <laughs> or you can have ice cream for dinner or, you know, things of that nature. Like, small stuff like that, like, can kind of keep you sane. Yeah. especially yeah. When, like when the research tells us whether it's diet, whether it's nutrition or that's the same thing, gosh, whether it's diet, whether it's uh, training consistency is king, right? So yep. as long as you do good stuff for longer periods of time, you're probably going to come out the other end looking really, really good in terms mm -hmm. of all the goals you want to hit. And so yep. if you can do small stuff to tweak it at the beginning in terms of making training fun, in terms of, mixing up your diet so that you can have some of those cheap foods, I guess, that still fit. Um, yeah. Probably stay sane and be able to continue long-term doing that. So, 
Um, so we're getting close. I know you got a date coming up soon, so I don't want to take too much more of your time, but is there any other topics maybe you want to briefly talk about? I mean, if you got five or 10 minutes, you could talk about maybe some thoughts on diet, nutrition, or whatever the heck you want to say. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of go off of that last, that last one, having fun, um, like trips and like pitfalls that I've run into is letting training ruin your day. Like if you have a great day and like work was good and like commute wasn't terrible and all sort of stuff and say training doesn't go well, don't let it kill, kill the rest of your evening. Don't be a sad sack. Don't be an asshole just because training went well. I, I know I get a lot of that from that and I've done that for a long time. Uh, oh, training didn't go well. So now I get to be an asshole until tomorrow and when I have a better training day. So one, forgive yourself for having hey, a bad training day because there's going to be more of those or more hard days than it is. Yeah. And also on the aspect of nutrition, like forgive yourself for having a beer, forgive yourself for having a few extra chips or maybe you went over on that stuff. Um, if you're tracking it pretty like mm -hmm. monotonously and when it comes to that forgiveness, like be honest about it. Don't be like, Oh, like that's okay that I did this, but just like it went over. I'll do better. I'll, I'll make a habit change. I'll do this. Like it's not the worst thing in the world to have like an extra beer or a few extra chips or, you know, whatever, as long as it's not like, Oh, I'm going to do this every other, and, every other day. Yeah. yeah. And on that same aspect of forgiveness um, or rather just a mental mindset and stuff like that is look into mental performance type stuff. And I can recommend several books and such like that, but just, the aspect of this between your ears is going to be, is going to make or break you. And there's going to be days you show up to the gym and you're going to feel a lot of resistance. And I don't mean bands. I don't mean the weight. I mean, just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to train. I don't want to blah, blah. I don't want to run. I don't want to do this. Something on the board. My, my favorite is a buddy from school, uh, high school, Bryce McLaren. He was a starting uh, outside linebacker and after school and, and college, he would do go to CrossFit. And he, I'm pretty sure he was just joking, but he would say, if he walked in and there was running on the board, he would just leave. Now, granted, he was an elite athlete for a long time, but there's that aspect of don't let whatever workout is create that resistance that makes you like just not even show up. Like, mm -hmm. I'll be the one because I'm a runner to say, yeah, just dog the run. Just dog the run a little bit. Just get through it but do the rest of the stuff as best you can. Cause you're not going to show up every day to training and be like, I want to be here. Hooray. Let's, let's get going. Yeah. Cause there's more days than not that you're going to show up. And it's like, Nope, I made the commitment. I'm, I'm going to get the shit done. And if it feels like garbage, okay. But yeah. ideally as you get warmed up, that kind of mentality kicks in of like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make the best of the situation. Yeah. And I think, so two points I'll make to that. So one thing to say is like, if you're really beat down and you've been hammering your training for like weeks and weeks and weeks, one thing I'll say is maybe you do need a deload, you know, like let's right. be realistic. But if it's like a normal like Tuesday and you've only been like doing your training for like, oh, I don't know, uh, one or two weeks and you're kind of feeling down, like you probably don't need a deload. You probably just need to uh, get through that workout the other thing too that I'll mention is like, obviously you want to try and stick to your training as best you can, 
but a bad training day or a day in the gym where training might not have been optimal is still probably a lot better than not going to the gym at all, right? So <clears throat> keep that in mind. So that's something that I, t I tend to try and remind myself of. If I come home and my training was bad, I think, well, at least I made it to the gym at all and did something. Because the other thing people have to remember is when we go to the gym, we're trying to usually make some sort of gain, whether that's in the fact that we're trying to lose weight or maybe gain muscle. And so the minimum effective dose or sometimes just the maintenance volume dose that we need really might not be that high. So if you yep. feel like maybe you didn't get a huge pump or you didn't do a whole lot of work, but you did do, you know, a couple of sets of this and this and this, you're probably doing enough to really not lose size. So you're doing a benefit by doing something to make sure you're not taking steps backwards. So mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Um, anything else you want to mention? Uh, along that lines of my coaches, they always said majority of your training is between 65 and 75% of maximum effort. So doing weights that don't feel all that difficult repetitively over time, that's where you get your training and your progress. So exactly what you said is like, you don't necessarily have to throw on the heaviest weight or feel like you're dying under every single set of reps and stuff like that. You don't have to leave training feeling wrecked to yeah, get better. Exactly. Perfect. So this has been, I think, a pretty good conversation. Uh, people should leave here with maybe a better understanding of weightlifting. If they want to get started, that'd be awesome. Hopefully kind of some sort of fire underneath them to compete to some degree if they're interested at all. Mm -hmm. um, and then just some ideas to keep while they're, you know, attacking their training plans. Um, so Dave, where can people follow you, find out more about you? Where are you located? All those things. All right. So, uh, for social media, easiest way for everybody would be, uh, at weightlifting underscore dot. And then just going to start doing a few Snapchats as well. That's also uh weightlifting underscore doc, but it's a W eight lifting. And um, that'll be more kind of just in the moment in the day kind of stuff, fun little quips and uh, tips there. Um, and then I'm actually in Milwaukee, Oregon, which a lot of people think it's the outskirts of Portland, but it's like 10 minutes to 15 minutes from downtown Portland, which it does. You do have to cross a river, which everyone in Portland is afraid of doing, what? but I'm not that far away from Portland. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys are in the Portland area, um, hit him up on uh, Instagram. He's pretty active there. See if he'd be interested in some sort of training. Are you coaching at all? Uh, yeah, minimally, uh, when I, when, I, uh, more remote kind of stuff. And I like to obviously know the person beforehand before describing anything. So that's just cause I like to actually see the person move before I start giving them advanced exercises. Perfect. So if you guys are in the Portland area and maybe you need to go see him in the clinic, be sure to look him up. Milwaukee sport and spine, right? Mm -hmm. Bingo. Uh, Dr. David reef. Um, and if you want to hang out with him in the training hall, Vulcan does free weightlifting sessions on the first Friday yep. of every month. Yes, it does. So keep that in mind, folks. Um, I think that's all I've got. And I'm sure we'll probably have you on in the future to do another episode. I thought that was a great one. So awesome. Guys, Thank you so much for having me on. No problem. So if you guys are listening, 
Um, and when you haven't subscribed yet, you should totally subscribe to the podcast. And if you have subscribed and you haven't left us a review yet, you should totally do that as well. So if you could leave us a five-star review, that'd be amazing, amazing. And share this with maybe one of your friends who might find this super interesting. Thanks. And you guys enjoy.